Scott, has anybody told you you look like Joey from Friends? No, but thank you. Yeah, he's a, he's a nice looking guy. Okay. Y'all don't think he looks like Joey from Friends? I could see. No, not when he does that. Good God. Close your mouth. Wait, which one's Joey? Which What's up? Hey, hey. Mr. Joey Svensson, how are you? Good. How are y'all doing? Doing great. Well, good. You're on good, time. Good. You said you were going to be late. I know. I'm right on time, man. I wrapped it up quickly. I just had a Nephilim discussion, so we got it <laughs> oh. We got it over and done with quickly. <laughs> <laughs> the men of renown? Is that... Uh... <laughs> oh, some interesting stuff, man. I mean, I'll be honest. Like, If somebody knows their stuff, it certainly is a big puzzle that seems to come together, but yeah, it's some, some crazy far-fetched stuff to think about now was this for your own podcast or was this somebody else's not sure oh it's it's for one of our channels either okay. a club episode bad christian or i don't even know what i call my podcast anymore it's spin zone i don't know <laughs> kind of <laughs> rebranded myself a little bit right now it's the spin zone previously yep. pastor with no answers yep yep y'all need me to record on my end or you guys got everything or what uh i'm recording everything but if you if it's easy for sure. you to do that do that Yep. It's always better. Here we go. Sounds good. I am Zach. Hey, Joey. I'm Jeff. Scott. Zach, Jeff, Scott. Awesome. Yep. Yeah. Given that you're a pastor, you'll, you're pretty good at names. Yeah. I'm writing them down now, man, because it matters. <laughs> <laughs> it makes it that much more meaningful when you can look into the camera and say, oh, you know, when you said that, Scott, I really appreciate it. Right. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Make, feel- make somebody feel good, man. Scott yeah. needs to feel good. <laughs> I, do. I do. You can help me with that. So were there, uh, back to the Nephilim, I'm curious, yeah. uh, any new insights? Like, where were, I mean, where are you now, and, like, was there anything new in the conversation that made you think? So I, I literally talked to someone with, with no agenda to push, but basically he's just saying, look, you know, if you look at Scripture as a whole, there's a lot of verses that make zero sense outside of this narrative, and then he explained it in a way that I was like, wow, that really does make sense. And it incorporates uh, mythology and, and just kind of brings everyone's worlds together, kind of, uh, and, and then highlights how the Bible really may be pointing to it in a, in a more subtle way. Like, for example, Paul's teachings on uh, head coverings, for instance, now makes a lot of sense in the context of Nephilim <laughs> and I mean, to the point where they, they felt like uh, back in the day in Jewish culture, they thought that a woman's head was almost like uh, a, a sexual thing because I mean, it's so much to get into, but basically <laughs> to make a long story short, they covered their heads not to attract a different being from Morning. So it, it puts some, like, outside of that, I mean, that's a crazy explanation, but outside of that, it's like, just leave the women alone. Like, why do they have to wear hats, and why yeah. is, well, that's why is hair says, such a big uh, deal? On account of the angels, right? I did one of those passages on the right. coverings. So, yeah. 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 So, you know, and then all the way to um, that the random passage where it said, as, as in the days of Noah, so will the days be in the end times kind of hinting at, okay, well, then there's something really crazy going on in Noah's time, and it couldn't just be as simple as people misbehaving, or else it seems like a flood would have been due way before that. So the narrative says, yeah, things were getting out of hand with the you know human DNA leading up to the lineage of Jesus and, and all of that stuff. But I think this person is way more credible. It's, it's Jed Payne from the uh, Church and Other Drugs podcast. Like, okay, yeah. It's a lot more credible because... It's it's none of the you might run into a lizard man at the coffee shop today or here's like a real elongated skull that proves everything now you have to believe <laughs> like it's more of a hey from from beginning to end scripture um you know just and then all sorts of stuff outside of scripture kind of points to this so it's it's intriguing i would say where i'm at with it all right now is i don't care one way or the other um but i definitely see the plausibility in it and and for me it's like 
once you entertain the fact that we believe in a in a god that always existed it's like everything's on the table then like i'm not afraid of supernatural crazy stuff when i believe in a god that always existed because I, I don't know where to put that in my brain so as far as i'm concerned there's there can be a lot of things that are on the table of discussion that i don't know where to put in my brain yeah as long as there's like no matter how much i deconstruct or tear down or replace old stuff with new stuff as long as there's a framework that involved a being that created everything i have to be open at least a little bit to almost anything oh yeah yeah totally Totally. And then especially when the Bible that or when the book that we're pointed to as authoritative says that, you know, my thoughts and ways are way higher than yours, almost to the point of let's always remember that when we're having these discussions and everything, it's like we're not we're probably not scratching the surface, you know. And so this gets to be fun. This can even ultimately draw us closer to God and truth. But at the end of the day, let's remember, you know, there's a good chance that Jesus is up there kind of with a. Uh, a proud smile like hey these these are my I, I like these these kids but my gosh what are they talking about <laughs> do you think joe do you think that um having arguing whether something's literal or a parable matters i mean i think it 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 kind of depends i i think that there are like if you hmm like i think if you try to make a something that's clearly a parable and you try to make that into like a nonfiction narrative, then yeah, I would say that matters. So I would, I would assume there's probably instances where it's pretty clear, Hey, this is, this is poetry or this is a parable or this is a story. This is not. So if somebody tries to turn something like that into, yeah, I would say it matters. I guess uh, I asked a question just because I was listening to, I think it was a sermon that you gave uh, very recent um, with Jonah. Oh yeah. Yeah. And and I, I think you might have mentioned in there. I didn't go back and listen, but it, like. yeah, yeah, it will. That was a perfect example of how I'm trying to, um, because I I'm quite aware of evangelicalism and how it operates, and I feel like I, I'm still within it. And I, I, they haven't left me behind, so I'm not leaving them behind. That's mm-hmm. that's family. Uh, but but I but I do feel like I'm I'm somewhat a foreign a stranger in a foreign land when it comes to how I think. And so once in a while, working within evangelicalism, I will try to throw out something that's non-threatening, that's proposed as a question, but gets people thinking and gives people permission who are there thinking, okay, I have to buy into all of this or else I'm not really a Christian. I think what you were recalling is I just mentioned in passing, I said, hey, by the way, please know that there are actual Christians that are just as genuine as you are in their pursuit of truth, and they're coming out on this thing thinking, this Jonah story didn't really happen. It represents something else. And then I said, look, I'm talking about it as historical because it seems as if, uh, you know, Jesus was teaching it as historical, Uh, but it doesn't write somebody off as, as a genuine seeker of truth to say they don't believe that really happened. And, and quite frankly, I would, to be quite honest, and I didn't feel like I was being dishonest to those people, uh, that I love dearly. I I would say I'm totally on the fence and, and maybe would say, I don't really care if, if Jonah happened or didn't happen, but I, I, I guess I would with that one, I would have to lean towards something historical happened and whether it was a, really a big fish that swallowed them or, or, or something else, I don't know, but right. it doesn't really matter to me because I do know that stories were told in a way back then that the truth didn't depend on the information in the story. The truth depended on what the story was trying to talk about. Right. So it's just like, you know, I think a legitimate answer to, hey, did uh, is Adam and Eve true? I would say, I don't know if that narrative really happened, but yeah, it's true. Of course yeah. it's true. I mean, you can't see truth all over that story. So right. to me, it's a secondary issue whether or not it was fiction or non-fiction. Yeah. Right. Yeah, the Jonah... The Jonah one's interesting. I've heard I, I'm blanking on the name, but the guy from the Bible Project videos, one of one of him. Oh yeah, I know you're talking about. Yeah, uh, he was talking about Jonah as satire, okay. and I don't think his nice. point was that it didn't happen uh, or that elements of it weren't historical. But his main point was that it was satire. I couldn't recount the whys of that right now, but it was super fascinating hearing that different angle, and then almost coming at it n- now for me, it's like. If you're, if you need to decide that it's, it happened for sure or not, you're almost missing the bigger point yeah. of God being more, more merciful towards the people you hate than yeah, you are. Yeah, totally. 
Totally. And so that, there's like that truth, that truth that's true in spite of whether it was literal or not. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I agree. Yeah. I need to get into that satire again. That, that was fascinating, but I don't remember any of it now. I remember that, yeah. but not any of the details. That sucks. Well, Joe, I did appreciate in that, in that sermon that you gave, you talked about your family and having a family day and uh, just... Going, Losing my dag yeah, on mine, going yeah. sideways, and, and yeah, I pre- I'm glad you appreciate that, man. It's a, well, it's <laughs> always refreshing. It's always refreshing <laughs> to hear, you know, people at the, you know, pastors at the pulpit, you know, yeah. preaching, you know, their imperfections, yeah, and you know, current imperfections too, <laughs> yeah, right. I'll be, exactly. yeah, I'll be. I, I discovered something yesterday, man, because it, it's. I, I don't teach that often. We're in a uh, multi-site right. uh, church structure, so basically we uh, we tune a video in, and, and I'm not even saying that I'm I'm uh, I obviously support that here, or else I wouldn't be here. But what's the name of your, What's the name of your church? It's Seacoast. Okay, Seacoast Church. Yeah, so they they actually helped pioneer that whole thing, and I and I think that it will be something of the past eventually. I could name a bunch of perks that come along with it right now, but I, I'll tell you personally. So I taught twice in the last three weeks one because of a technology uh fail and then another one because we were just scheduled to teach and yesterday i was like i I mean i enjoy this and i like being a communicator but i am i am really weirded out by being that guy with the microphone teaching for 45 minutes to 200 listeners it just i I think once a month is quite all right with me. Like that is just <laughs> fine. Like doing it two times in a week, it just, I, and I don't know if that's a way of God kind of keeping me from having an ego or maybe even keeping me from pursuing that. But I just have no, like there's a lot of people that are in my position that wish they could teach more. And I just, I just, I just don't because the, that sort of vibe, like, so put it this way, if I wasn't at Seacoast and I, I have no plans uh, even in the future of, of starting a church, but if I were to ever start a church, there would not be um, a, a sermon every week. There would be sometimes where people come in on a Sunday morning and, hey, we, we chill, hang out, and maybe just talk about some specific hmm. things. I don't think there needs to be that one person that right. teaches something every week. Why? I mean, why not start? start the month off with that and then for the rest of the month talk about that one message that was given because i don't think anybody's against sermons in general i mean why would we we're not against um you know motivational speakers so it's like why not start the month with a sermon and then talk about it for the rest of the month instead we go from one week to the next one message to the next and every message we're like oh that sounds so great that touched me in a deep place and then two weeks later we don't even remember it so just i don't know I would definitely take a, so it just, it, it bothered me. And I was like, man, I'm really thankful to be at a church where I'm not preaching sermons every week. Right. <laughs> I guess that's, I guess that's a perk. There you go. There you go. Nice. But you are in a church that it's a big church. You, the po- bad Christian podcast is pretty big when it comes to Christian yeah. podcasts. Uh, and you guys push the limits in term. I'm guessing what most Christians would feel uh, you guys are too cr- crude, or not you right. specifically, but just generally. You're you're more yeah. tightened up because of I think right. your pastorship. But <laughs> how, how are you? Uh, being a pastor, do you ever hear catch flack from people that hear things on the podcast and then they yeah, they hit yeah. up your the leadership at your church? Yeah, yeah. So big picture is I would say I'd put it this way: there hasn't been enough tension for there to need to be any sort of intervention. But early on, uh, there was there was some uh, there was some flack uh, that our senior pastor received from an email of a person that that went to uh, our specific location, copied me on it, and basically was just like, "Are you aware, bad Christian? Do you support this?" And uh, Greg Surratt, very wise man, and uh, him and his son are a big reason of why I'm I'm still here at Seacoast because they they are very open-handed with ministry. They don't try to control things. It's not Seacoast DNA or the highway sort of bullshit that we see in all sorts of different other churches. Mm-hmm. There's definitely a I mean how we handled it was so gracefully, so quick and to the point, and uh, in my opinion, so wise. He basically said. Uh, we endorse Joey. We believe in Joey. We don't agree with everything that's on that podcast, but we also realize there's probably an audience that would not be paying attention to us. So in the long run, even though we don't agree with everything, we trust him and left it at that. And which caused this person to basically think about it and be like, gosh, 
it's probably right. You know, I mean, I, I don't, I don't get to be the authority on what's appropriate and what's not appropriate and what should be accepted at our church and what shouldn't. So that, that fire died off quickly. Now, uh, I think because my wife and I have been at, in charge of our campus since 2008 over the years, uh, we have, uh, there's a lot of people that stick with us because they know us well. And they're like, man, I can, I can stay in evangelicalism if these guys are in evangelicalism and I can, you know, do, uh, you know, be side by side with these guys if they're around. And so there's a lot of people at our particular campus that listen and they're just excited about it, man. They want to talk to me about what I said and man, you should do this and do that. Um, uh, another example that I really love is there's there's literally a lady pushing her 80s, and she listens to the podcast regularly. Does not like that cussing boy. Does not like that <laughs> you know vulgarity. But man, if she didn't say these exact words, she says I don't want to get bogged down into my way of thinking. I want to hear how younger spiritual seekers are coming out with things because I don't. I don't want to be stuck. And I was like, I cannot believe this woman just said that. Like such yeah. unbelievable insight and humility for someone. I mean, cause usually you look at people like that and I, I respect the hell out of old people. I'm teaching my kids the same, like just such a wealth of knowledge, but by and large, they're kind of stuck in their ways. They're just like, no, I've believed in something for 70 right. years. Why That's am I going to change it now? Right. And you have this woman who is, is definitely open to exploring. Now, Fast forward to 2019, so we started back in 2015 when all that stuff happened. Little things happened along the way, but recently um, we've definitely had some more fireworks um, as far as um, some tension. One was um, some elders of another Seacoast campus um, going to a pastor and asking questions and all that. So, yeah, it's – and I do think – uh, I have asked some of my leaders, hey, how often do you guys get emails and phone calls and all that? And they kind of give a wink and a smile. It's it's probably not that bad, but it's probably not as little as they make it out to be. I would assume that they, you know, because we have, we have, I have people writing me from huge church, like Church of the Highlands, Birmingham, Alabama, a church that we're highly affiliated with and borrow some of their stuff. And, you know, like interns from there saying, I love bad Christian, but how are you allowed to do that? Mm. Because in their yeah. church setting, there's just no way you ain't touching that. I mean, not. I mean, and now, and I've talked to uh, our pastors, uh, Greg specifically, and I mean, we both agreed that I ain't working at any other churches and doing this. <laughs> like this is kind of like a church this size and the influence of this church. It really and truly is a very special place. And I think that is partly due to the fact that we're not one of these new church plants that started in 2011, um, you know, where you have someone that's hypersensitive about their territory and making sure their numbers are coming in and all that. Now I'm painting a broad brush, but this church was started in 88. Um, the guy that started it all has already passed it off to his son, but that wisdom is there as far as, you know what, it's just not, it, it, it's not worth it the last 30 years to be in such control and weed out people that don't fall exactly in line. And uh, the leadership here really and truly values not only other perspectives, but also people that are doing other stuff like podcasting to be a part of Seco. So it's, it's, it really is one of a kind, man. I can't talk highly enough about the church that I'm a part of. And is that church in Birmingham, are they evangelical? Oh, yeah. Okay. Oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah. Um, uh, church of the Highlands, it's, it's top 10 largest churches in America for sure. And it was actually started through the church planting network that our senior pastor is the president of currently who started it, um, I guess, back in 2002, 2003, something like that. So, yeah, closely affiliated. Well, just thinking of the church. The tr those churches and evangelicalism and your podcast. What, what are the what are the cornerstones of? And we could say you know following Christ, but are there where you're like I would not want to be a part of another church or maybe specifically another denomination or something? What is it that you're like? This is the sweet spot for Christianity and I'm in it, what would be two or three, like, that's the cornerstone of, of where I'm at right now. And these totally, others. totally. I, th I think I'm, I think I'm hearing you. I mean, I, I, I wouldn't say that I'm, I don't feel like I'm in, um, any sort of theological sweet mm -hmm. spot as much as I'm in a sweet spot of people being open-minded and recognizing they don't, 
they don't get to uh, have dibs on on truth. Like, but is that I, I part of it? That, the open mindedness. Yeah, because let's just face it. I mean, you take one passage in the Bible, and then you take all the Christians in the world, and you'll get a thousand different explanations. So it's like, and that, and I think that's thing that that's one thing that's getting me uh, riled up in a good way in general is just like Christians, wake up! Like you, you you're making such a, a huge fuss about clarity and a huge fuss about getting the right doctrine and all of that stuff, where. Right when you nail down what you think, three years from now, you're probably going to feel differently. And in addition to that, call 10 of the most respected biblical scholars and ask them what they think, and you're going to get 10 different answers for the most part. So this whole clarity and nailing down theology and all that stuff, it just starts getting a little silly. And so then when you close that tunnel, uh, that that narrow-minded view into... American Christian evangelical culture, then it's like, oh my gosh, we just closed the door even even smaller to where there's just one way of looking at things, and it's like, man, this this is just this is just crazy. I mean, and I think I think we're we're making a lot of progress, but I mean, let's just face it, this time probably a, let's just be conservative and say ten years ago, if you had any different views about the afterlife and hell, I mean, nobody's even going to listen to you. You might as well just keep your mouth shut because you right. are capital H heretic. Whereas now it's like, oh, hmm, maybe, oh, maybe we are missing something. Maybe there is more to it. At least the discussion's on the table. And I do feel that the church is going to find out very soon if they, and, and a lot of them have already fi- found it out. If there's not more conversations allowed on the table, we will lose relevance. Mm. And, and, and I know a lot of people, their knee-jerk reaction would be, well, the church is never going to be irrelevant because Jesus is always relevant. Yeah, but Jesus carried himself in a way where every conversation was welcomed. Hey, let's just, let's just talk about this. And he made it very clear that there was no like it, it, systematic theology. I just don't even know the foundation for it, honestly. And that, that may rub some of y'all the wrong way, but it's just like, can you systematize something that is clearly being said, hey, you can't r- understand the depths of this. And if we can, then what do we have to say about everybody else who disagrees with our point of view? So I just think that Christians would do a much better job taking some steps back, being okay with the unknown, being okay with mystery, and being okay with saying, you know what? I am 100% personally sure that this is how God works in my life and being okay with that and not needing everyone else to necessarily buy into it. Because I do think God is going to interact with us differently. Do you think the medium of communication with everything online and we can hear so much, do you think that has created the open-mindedness of the conversation? Yeah, it's like, uh, and and some people see this in a very negative light, whereas I I like how Brian McLaren puts it. He says it's like, you know, back in the day when the printing press happened, it opened the door for other people to be literate and to discover truth on their own, whereas now with the internet and blogs and podcasts, it's like the gatekeepers have gone away in the same way, uh, or or, uh, the gatekeepers have gone away again, but just in a different way, such as people that would have never been able to preach a sermon on a Sunday morning in a traditional Christian church, for instance, can certainly start a podcast. And if they're entertaining or uh, interesting enough or make some cool points, nobody can stop anybody from listening to them. And I don't know if you you guys have noticed this or not, but I'd like pointing out that Lifeway and Family uh, Bookstores, the two biggest Christian bookstores are now no longer. uh, The last one just uh, shut down a few weeks ago. And all the authors... (laughs) that we're not allowed to sell books in those stores are flourishing. (laughs) So Christianity is speaking. Now, fine, maybe they're speaking wrong and they are following heretics, but bottom line is they're saying, we want something in addition to, like this isn't enough anymore. There's more to the story and we want more conversations. We want less fear, more trust in God's love and um, you know, just a, a big recipe for change and it is changing. And, and, and behind the scenes, church leaders, I'll, I'll, I'll tread lightly, but well, no, I'll just say it like this. There's there's some freaking out going on. It's like, what do we do? I mean, what what do we do? There's so many Christians now that are gay affirm, gay affirming, and we've always been taught that that's a sin. What do we do? Is the scripture clear on that? Is it not? If it is, then I mean, we we let all sorts of people into the church, and if we believe that being gay is a sin, for instance, I mean, why can't they serve when we let somebody else serve? But then to a gay person, that's super offensive to be like, well, that's you're calling this a sin, and and so it's just like. That discussion certainly should not be or so shouldn't be so 
fear injected, but it is, and I can't put a finger on why. And I, I yeah, I, I think it's part hell. Of me j- yeah. I was just going to say that actually, I was afraid <laughs> to say it. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> it really all does boil down yeah. to that, honestly. And you're, and, uh, sorry, I, yeah. I was going to, on, on the hell note, um, you've somewhat, I mean, very publicly have been super transparent on your transition from, you know, definitely eternal conscious torment to, I don't know if you call yourself an annihilationist or if you're on some trajectory, it seems, yeah. I, I definitely have a trajectory that came from, well, it's, it's eternal and me not liking that, but I, I don't know if I ever really believed it because I, I could never really evangelic, evangelicalize. Is that a yeah. thing? Uh, we'll accept that. Okay. Works for me. Yeah. I could never really, I was always afraid to actually share the gospel in a way that was like preventing people from going to hell. So I, I would tell you I believe that. I don't think I actually right. did based on my actions. And then, right. then hearing hearing podcasts on like Chris Date, I know you've had him on, yeah. uh, from Rethinking Hell, uh, just hearing that there's more to the story, and then reading some universe Christian Universalist stuff, it yeah. is like the the world is so much bigger than than I was taught. I think right, um, right, and 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 one I'm sorry, did I catch no, off? No, there? go ahead. Well, and and one thing that I think that uh, that everyone should at least admit this that the the current theology and uh, brand of Christianity that we all swear by. And, and, and uh, this pigeonholed to basically contemporary Christian Christianity, not mainline or anything like that, um, but just uh, a lot of these non-denominational churches and all of that. And it's like basically at least, at least get it in your head that how we believe now is not the original way that people believed. So I, I'm not even saying it's right or wrong. We could be totally right because the Holy Spirit over the years has you know, brought us more advanced truth. But this, how, how we carry ourselves right now is not the original way of believing and, and doing all that stuff. And uh, you know, once you really start to think about that, and then I, I mean, I'll just, I, I never forget just how I realized how so many well-meaning truth seekers that are fellow Christian brothers and sisters who are, are studying the Bible way more than I am, thinking about it way more than I am, which is a lot if they're thinking about it way more than I am, and, and coming out with very, very logical, different positions. And we can either say, oh, well, I discount them, or we can say, well, maybe that would be an example of the ear saying to the eye, I don't need you. I mean, who, who's to say they're not seeking God's word right because it doesn't sound like I sound? I mean, it's uh, yeah. it's a mess, man. I mean, I really <laughs> that's why I'm just so big on let's just everybody take a deep breath and recognize we can't really figure it out. Let's put Grudem off to the side a little bit for a little while. Mm-hmm. And, uh, um, you know, I think there's even some good in studying theology like that. But I, I guess I'm done with the whole systematizing something that I don't think was written to systematize. Like, I think that may have been a mistake. So it's really the, the culture of believers have has changed. I mean, we still believe in, I mean, there's still a center point in Christ, but 2,000 yeah. years ago and today, it's totally different. And what you would see from the culture of believers 2,000 years ago or 1,000 years ago or 100 years ago, it, it just continues to change. Um, yeah, but there's still the focus on Christ, and yeah, totally, what that means. totally, yeah. So I mean, let me uh, let me give you guys an example here. All right, so this these are the sorts of things that I would really think about in my head. All right, so let's let's um, so in my in my current way of thinking and the trajectory that I'm on, I know a lot of evangelicals would say, "Oh, that's some dangerous territory." You know, you may really th- rethink that. You know, mm-hmm. you're being led astray and everything. And so I would say, "All right, well, so I have some options. Uh, first option is I can go against the grain of where I feel so naturally led, ditch my honesty, turn my honesty in for just fitting in with my tribe, and then I can." Uh, Ditching my honesty may also be tempting as a response for fear. So let's let's just say I'm I'm afraid of being wrong and I'm afraid of hell and I'm afraid of God's wrath. Okay, well then I will be dishonest and say I don't really think this stuff. So basically, just a safe feeling, playing it by the rules within a fear-driven evangelicalism. So that's one that's one thing I can do. Another thing I can do is I can just leave God altogether and just not care. But for me personally, he's too real 
for me to do that. I can't. I feel him so deeply. It would be like ignoring my being. And I would seriously put into question my whole life because I really do believe that no matter what paradigm I was looking through spiritually, God found a way to speak through it. And I feel like that's just been a familiar. And I'm not talking a, a, a clear voice and I'm not talking that God speaks to me all the time either. I'm just saying over the course of 41 years, sure, there has been enough times to where I feel like I am familiar with his presence and his leading, where if I stopped believing, I'd be like, I don't know anything of anything. I don't know what my life is about. Or, or So here is option three. And the one that I abide by is that I can keep on this path and trust that God is bigger than my even misguided faith, bigger than my mistakes. And he's eventually going to get me on the right path because that's what he promised the Holy Spirit's going to do. And here I am actually begging God, Lord, please let me know the truth. I, I just want to know the truth. I'll follow you. I don't, you know, it, it will, it will bother me if you send a bunch of people in hell to hell for, to burn forever, but I'm still going to follow you if you're God. I just mm -hmm. want to know the truth. Just guide me and lead me. I can't fathom a God that would say, Oh, you really want to know the truth, but you're still off. So I'm bailing, not, not a part of your life anymore because you actually toyed with some wrong thoughts. Like I just, I can't live that way anymore. And I don't even think it's biblical. Like when I, when I read about, and the, this has blown up my world. This right here is I now evaluate God based on Jesus' life. And oh yeah, Jesus told us to do that. So Jesus says, Hey, if you want to see the father, just look at me, look at what I'm doing. I don't even do anything unless the father says so. So I am totally okay with second guessing some of the Old Testament narratives and being like, I don't, I could never see Jesus commanding that. So I'm going to leave it up to grabs. Maybe Jewish people did not hear from God correctly. Like maybe the whole go and slaughter the women and children that are Canaanites, you know, everyone, maybe God had a deeper purpose for that that we can't understand. Or maybe that's recorded as people thinking they heard from God. Mm -hmm. I mean, how evident is it that throughout all history, people have been doing things in the name of God that were not told to them by God. And so that is scary to people because then you have to back off of inerrancy. But my whole thing with inerrancy is who told us to read the Bible that way? No one can give me an answer. I got a freaking book that disappointed me. And I say that jokingly because <laughs> I love the book, but it's called The Canon of Scripture by F.F. F. Bruce. Yeah, It was highly recommended. It's like the number one book on how the canon of Scripture came together. And I was waiting for that magical peace to be like, that's why I believe that this is from God. That's Thank how God you, F.F. Bruce. Exactly. And I get to the end and I'm like, it's a damn scam. There's no magic in this. It was just a bunch of people that got together. And so I came out of that book recognizing, okay, if I believe that the Bible is from God, then it is an act of faith. That's it. Mm -hmm. That's all I have to go right. from. And I don't, and, and, I, and I had to be honest with myself. I don't know Nobody told me to put my faith in that. Jesus didn't tell me to read the Bible that way. Right. In fact, Jesus says, the law says this, but I tell you, and no one, yeah, I've had someone try to argue. No, he just gave a deeper level of truth. No, he said, that said that, I say no, here's what I'm saying. So Jesus did change stuff, and sure, if Jesus is God, he can do whatever he wants to, but it's <laughs> definitely putting into question passages in the Bible of how we've always read and it, and we should be able to assume that maybe we're reading them wrong or maybe they weren't recorded it's to craziness. be read in the same way, you know? <laughs> yeah, so. do you uh do you see that um well you 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 know looking at Jesus life and and that's the representation of God. When I look at Jesus life or not necessarily his life but what he said and how he interacted with the religious leaders. Yeah. Um he, from my view, he, he's always pointing them back to uh, the Old Testament and saying, if you really, you know, if, if you're, what you're doing is following the rules of man and not following the rules of God, but they were distorting the Old Testament. And yeah. then I, you know, I, I don't see where Jesus points out that the Old Testament is untrustworthy. Um, so I, I guess it would, it would be that, somehow his life contradicts the Old Testament or uh, in, in some way invalidates the Old Testament. But Jesus never says that, explicitly says that. He always affirms it. What do yeah. You yeah. I, I, I see that, but I also see the most glaring 
highlights of Jesus' ministry were, were things such as someone basically pointing at the Old Testament and saying, look, just tell me, tell me, tell me, tell me, what must I do? Tell me what, what's the greatest thing and all of this stuff. And, and it boils down to, oh, you want to know what life is about? Well, first of all, center it around God, love God. And then we read later on, I think in, in one of John's epistles, that true love isn't even love from us to God, but from God to us. So we even need to hold loosely what does it mean to truly love God? Because I think sometimes people feel guilty because they're like, I just don't feel this love. And then we get mm. into the American's definition of the feeling of love, and then we're off in no man's land. So, you know, I, I feel like um, Jesus made it very clear. It's like, hey, it, it really is about loving God, loving others as you love yourself. And I, I guess I would disagree. I do think it sounds very clear that Jesus is um, is basically saying, okay, you've, you've read here, you've even searched for me here, and it all points to me. And I agree with you. I mean, Jesus definitely even says, I, I'm not doing away with the law, but what, what does that even mean? Because we we do a lot. I mean, the three of us do a lot of stuff that are against the law. Well, whether we Testament. do it or not, right? It, whether right. we do it or right. not is irrelevant, right? I mean, right. So for me, though, I, I see a Jesus, a Savior, that gave me permission to focus on the simplicity of loving one another, loving myself, loving God, and then it, it sounds as if Paul even backs that up further by by basically giving us a, a deeper glimpse of, okay, I mean, read Galatians through and you're like, wait a second, he's really trying to drill through our heads that we are not under the law anymore. So in my head, when I get bogged down on all this, I literally think, okay, the law, I am not under anymore. So I am a freelance, I'm a free man. And I can trust that the Holy Spirit will step in and correct me once I start going off mm -hmm. on a limb. But I don't have to be fearful of my soul if I start doing that because I'm not under the law. I'm under I'm under you, grace. Um, oh, sorry. It, do you, hey, yes. Can I connect a, the quick sure. story to that? Quick. Make okay. it quick. Well, no. Just to bring back your, your sermon on your family moment, even in that you said, I... I um, from the choices that you made, um, you were, you kind of went and by making the mistakes that you made and taking time and not, you know, I think it was, you were going to spend time with one of your children or something like that, um, that that was, oh, totally, yeah. that was, that moment there was kind of your, um, uh, the Holy Spirit condemning you, um, like you, you could have you learned something in that, and yeah, it's just it's just kind of like you're free, you're you have the right. free will, and you made these choices, and then you feel the re you know the the consequences of your choices, right. um, like almost and free. Go ahead. Yeah. Yeah, and freedom is 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 way more important to me than I think to other people that did not come from the bondage and baggage that I came up in, and uh, and the religious circles that I grew up in. And I and I promise you, there is just a sense deep, 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 deep within that I feel like my freedom is the number one thing I need to protect. And oh, let me newsflash: I'm not cheating on my wife. I'm not abusing alcohol. I'm not cheating people out of money. Uh, I, you know, I'm, I'm actually trying to live a good life. So that a lot of people, they hear that and they're like, oh, just a license to do whatever you want to. And it's just like, no, mm -hmm. I feel that when anything infringes on my freedom, including guilt for even something that maybe I shouldn't have done, it's like, nope, I got to reframe that. God loves me. It's impossible for him to love me anymore, any less than he loves me now, if what I believe about him is true. And I, I am I am just going to remove myself from that. And and since I have been able to do that, which I think is very biblical, I mean, just Galatians 5.1, just read that, and it's just like guard the fool out of your freedom. Um, since I've been doing that, I feel like I have been more at peace. I feel like I have been able to love more. I feel like I'm more of a Christian than ever. And that makes sense because I believe that we don't, 
we don't really live a fruitful life and we can't really live in sync with God unless we walk in the freedom that he says I have for you. Totally. I mean, you know, like if a parent says to a child, look, you are not on restriction anymore. I'm offering you grace. I'm forgiving you. You don't need to learn this lesson. You're you're out of restriction. And that kid still says, yeah, but I probably should hang around the house and everything. He's not He's not living in the freedom that mom or dad just gave him. So it's like, okay, what are you trying to be a martyr here? He just gave you freedom and 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 your mom and dad loves you. So just go outside and play or play your your video games or whatever. And it's just like I feel like God is like I'm giving you freedom and this is this is how you operate the best. It's like, you know, throwing a fish into the water. It's like this is how you conduct yourself. You were made this way. And so I think humans were made to have a sense of freedom and a confidence in God's love that makes me a better Christian than I've ever been. Yeah, and I think uh, freedom in God's love, man, when you, if you can know exactly how accepted you are, which, which is completely from, from your yeah. maker, uh, that allows to you to love yourself in a similar way, which then goes can go out to other people. And I, yeah. I think that most Christians don't realize how unconditional God's love is for them. And so they're not really, they know love your neighbor as yourself, but if you don't love yourself like God loves you, you're not going to love your neighbor correctly. Yeah. And so it's like this cycle that you can be in where it just, it's just limited or, or it's the, the, the love and the freedom is veiled by a lot of conditions we put on us that God's not putting on us. Right. Totally. I mean, let, let me let me read this real quick. Straight straight out of that Bible. It says, there's no fear in love. Perfect love drives out fear because fear has to do with punishment. The one who fears has not been made perfect in love. I would say for the first time in my, you know, I don't, I'll just say I became a Christian when I was six. I don't know. But so we'll say the first time in 35 years of being a Christian, I, for, for the first time, I feel like I'm perfected in love. Like I do not feel like I fear God. And and I and I used to fear God even as a Christian, even as someone who believed in grace. I was going to say was you just, became a Christian multiple times, right? Yeah. Oh yeah, totally. <laughs> I had to go down to the altar and, you know, shed some tears every time. And uh, if I really wanted security, I needed to speak in tongues, you know? So that was a whole nother whole nother story. <laughs> but yeah, it's just like I read this and it's like a light bulb goes off. I'm like, that makes sense to me now. Like I truly feel like God is God's love is bigger than we can wrap our minds around. I mean, there's there's a passage somewhere in the Old Testament where it says God even God knows the very intentions of our hearts. Well, why would it say that if it didn't matter? It seems like the intentions of someone's hearts would matter. So it seems like I mean, you could just you could go you could take that maybe too far, but for me that's something to slow down and think about. Another one that's to slow down and think about is Jesus actually asking God who he's apparently one with. Apparently they think the same way, but Jesus says, "Please forgive these people. They don't know what they're doing." And then we see you know you contrast that attitude with some of the things we believe God did in the Old Testament. And first of all, those things don't line up well, but I'm, I'm sure theologians can, you know, make the connects there. But if you think about Jesus's, Jesus saying that, he is actually saying, hey, I want you to forgive these people because at the end of the day, they don't even really know the depths of what we're, of what they're doing. Name one person on the face of the earth that that description doesn't match up with. Yeah. So to me, that opens a world of, okay, wait a second. Jesus's heart is not only for people that find truth and say, oh, I, I believe in him, but he, I, and I don't know where it ends. I don't know the implications of this, but he definitely has a very loving heart and there is some excuse in not knowing. That's what he said. Lord, they don't know. Please forgive them. They yeah. don't know. And so that, I don't think we should just gloss over and be like, oh, that was a sweet gesture. I mean, come on, that's a sweet gesture. So Jesus just said that knowing there's no way any of these people are ever going to be saved because their hearts are so hardened or, you know, I, I don't know. I just think there's certain things in the Bible, such as in 1 John, it says, not only for, our, he didn't die for just our sins, but for the sins of the whole world. And I, I know all of this sounds very universalistic. And I think that's why my mind is more open to that Keep than going. it ever has Preach. been. No, yeah. no, stop. <laughs> Scott? This is what we talk about a lot, back and forth yeah. with us. Yeah. 
totally totally so you know i just uh i don't think we can know i mean i really don't i i don't i don't think anyone can tell us certainly how to read the bible and then if somebody could i don't know if anyone can tell us certainly this is when you take things literal this is when you take things and run with it i think it's way too confusing i think that's why the holy spirit is needed and that's why me now seeking all of this without the fear and a confidence in god's love it's very fun it's very exciting um, and, and at the end of the day, I'm, I'm not worried about it because the, the, the very scriptures that evangelicals taught me for the security of my salvation, I can still use them. I mean, anyone who believes in me will never be put to shame. Well, God, I believe in you. I mean, I'm asking you every day to reveal your truth. I mean, I, of all people, I'm trying. Like, you, you hear my voice all the time. So it's just like I fit in that category. I'm believing in God. And so no matter how far off track I get, Nope, I believe in that. And it says, I will never be put to shame. Or, you know, Matthew 7, where God says, or Jesus says, asking you shall receive, seeking you shall find. And then he even narrows it down. Now, I'm talking about good things here. If you ask for good things, of course the Father's going to give that to you. I've asked for salvation. So as far as I'm concerned, I'm a free agent. I'm doing the best I can to understand things. But at the end of the day, if all the evangelical evangelicals are right, and we get to heaven, they're like, I told you, I told you, you should have listened. I'm still good because I'm, mm -hmm. I'm believing in the same word that they gave me. And so I don't see that as like an entanglement in my formal former bondage, but rather almost like a launching point of, no, I, that's, I'm good there. <laughs> I'm fine. Like I, if that's how salvation works, I'm good to go. So Lord be with me as I try to figure things out more because it's fun. Yeah, man, that one of the, that passage, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. That was pretty formative for me like it was a light bulb moment as i was eliminating certain things or changing things or just testing everything that i thought yeah. i believed uh and it was just like okay i it's almost like you'd, i'd never seen that passage before i knew the passage right. but it was like it was meaningless it was just he was just kind of throwing them a bone or it was like kind of his last dying wish but it doesn't really mean anything and i was right then you start to think like they nobody there asked for it they were literally right. stringing him up and like celebrating his death. Right. And in spite of that, Father, forgive them. And that really started to mean something to me. And then it, then that can just set off a chain reaction of, oh, of yeah. other passages. Um, I mean, Jesus said all sorts of mysterious things and we try to pigeonhole him. Like we've got, we got that dude figured out and it's like, no, he said a lot of stuff that still has our heads scratching. So maybe there's a lot more to the story. Yeah. <laughs> Simple and plain. And, and that works both ways, whether you're oh, going yeah. down I was this about to uh, say. Yeah. Yeah, universalist train or you're going on this evangelical train. Works both totally. ways. Don't, you can't pigeonhole, pigeonhole that one verse of father forgive Absolutely. Him and go, yeah, oh, Jesus, see, everyone's forgiven. Yeah. Jesus right. says totally. some, uh, some yeah, he says some really difficult stuff. Even for oh, yeah. like I, some are made eunuchs uh, by when they're born eunuchs. Some make themselves eunuchs. You know, yeah, yeah. Has anybody ever told this guy? Wait, wait, wait. What's his name? Uh, I wrote it down somewhere. Oh, I can't find it. Dang it! You're not Jeff. The third guy. You're not Jeff, are you? Scott. This guy. This Scott. Guy, this guy Scott, over here. The, yeah, Scott. Scott. Has anybody told you you look like Joey from Friends? No, but thank you. <laughs> yeah, he's a, he's a nice looking guy. Okay. Yeah, I don't think he looks like Joey from Friends. I could see. No, not when he does that. Good God! <laughs> Close your mouth. Wait, which one's Joey? Wait, which, Joey's got a. He's got like. Which one's his, Joey he's though? Got Whoa! One phrase. He's the yeah, buff guy. Like, yeah, uh, yeah. From Friends. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So Ross. Yeah, Ross. Ross is the one that dated Rachel, yeah. and then Chandler is kind of the smart, cynical, sarcastic. <laughs> oh, never mind, dude. Jennifer never Aniston. Mind. Oh, Jennifer Aniston. I know her. I used her recently yeah, in conversation. Yeah, you know, I just thought I thought everybody kind of in our age range knew about Friends. I'm sorry, I made an ass out of you and me by assuming. <laughs> definitely, no, definitely, I, definitely, so Scott. Joey's the woke, like the. <laughs> yes. Okay. All right. No, he, yeah, he's good. He's all right. I think he's gotten chubbier, which probably makes him more my size now. Yeah, maybe that's yeah. Maybe that's what this Joey's thinking. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> All right. <laughs> oh, so I want to ask you about evangelicalism. Uh, yeah. So you still consider yourself a part of that tribe, even though there's there's probably parts that you you're you're not where they're at, or that there's a lot of differences. I'm struggling with as I've kind of moved towards. I don't. I wouldn't call myself a universalist, but. I don't want to call myself anything because I don't want to have, I, I came from previously misplacing identities and what I was. And so it yeah. became very, 
harmful and difficult when I realized I wasn't that or I was more than that. But if I had to pick a label, it would be Christian universalist. Um, And so what I'm struggling with now is I I don't see myself as an evangelical because I'm comparing myself mostly to the political evangelical uh, base, which is pretty large. Yeah. Um, And also not having a fear of eternal punishment. I I don't have this drive to like, or my drive to preach the gospel or to let people know about Jesus has changed a lot. And so I'm searching for, maybe that's good. Maybe that's bad. I'm not sure. Maybe I should be more concerned with making sure people know Jesus correctly or whatever, but I just don't, I'm just not there right now. Uh, What is like, what is your evangelicalism as you've shifted? Like, should I be more concerned about telling people about Jesus? Cause I think everybody is forgiven. It's just whether or not they know it. And, yeah. and so what, when they know it, they, if they know it and they experience God's love, they can live into that in a way they wouldn't be able to otherwise and experience salvation. Are you totally. full blown into yeah. that? Like, like, uh, like, like everyone is forgiven whether they believe in Jesus or reject Jesus. Like that's yeah, like your full, yeah. full, no, it, for, forgiveness. Y'all want, me to, y'all want me to step out for a second? Let you guys. <laughs> no, actually, mediate. mediate. <laughs> well, we could, we could start the argument. Oh, Usually, we start it like, "Hey, guys, we got two minutes. We're wrapping up." And they're like, "Okay, let's argue." Yeah, gotcha, gotcha. No, I just I mean, yeah, with, I didn't know if it was questioning us still or. Oh no, no, no totally. Yeah. I was just messing with y'all. Um, you know, I, like I, I'm leaning in that direction as far. Well, I'm I'm leaning into that exploration, and it does it makes a lot of sense. And I think for me. When I when I am in that headspace, salvation, um, and I do think this is b- biblical as well. I do think salvation discussed in the Bible for sure has to do with the afterlife, but I also think there is a salvation currently, which I think evangelicals believe as well. But I think for those who uh, see the world through universalism lenses, then the salvation here on this earth becomes that much more important. And so uh, instead of saying, man, you've got to know about Jesus because um, I don't want my friend to burn in hell forever. It's, man, you got to know about Jesus because there really is hope and freedom and kind of like meaning to this world that I just personally don't see how you can find it without it. Like, and I do believe that Jesus comes to give life and he comes to give it abundantly. Mm-hmm. And so I do believe that in this world we will have trouble, but there is a taking heart that we can do because Jesus has overcome the world. So I believe that there is a salvation and a redemption that is super important here on this earth. And honestly, I don't think evangelicals are that good at highlighting that. Like I seriously was the 1980s Christian that was like, you know, who cares about the earth? Doesn't really matter. You know, who cares about taking care of things? It's all going to be, you know, gone anyway. And it, and it's interesting. It's like, once you, I, I guess, see a bigger, larger picture, you're like, no, this, this, there's importance here on this earth. That's why we're put here. Like, it's not all for naught sort of thing. So, yeah, I see people's freedom on this earth being super important. And I like that, too, because if all of that is true, it kind of lets you off the hook of being in this urgency mode. Like, you can actually be friends on a over the long haul and not see someone as necessarily a project because i'll be honest with you if the traditional view of heaven and hell is right people better be projects to you like i i don't don't understand when people are just like oh to christians everybody's just projects well no you can you can have them as genuine friends but once they're a genuine friend i hope their soul matters to you enough to tell them about heaven or hell um but but even at even with those lenses, I, I started, I mean, this is coming from someone who used to repent every single day after lunch in high school because I had an opportunity to witness and I didn't. And I read the verse where it says, if you know the good to do and you don't do it, it's a sin. So this is coming from someone that used to repent every time for not witnessing. And then I had a couple of experiences where I felt God wanted me to tell somebody about the gospel and it went so well, but it was so clear that I had to. One was with my grandpa. I mean, he was on his dying bed and it was like, God was saying, tell him about me. And I was like, that's the last thing he wants to hear. (laughs) We're going to get in a big argument. And I literally felt like I couldn't say, I, I, I could literally speak, but I felt like there was nothing I could say other than I need to tell him about hope and freedom in Christ. Right. And when I did that, 
he became more audible. He became more peaceful. He told my dad to make sure you tell your mom wow. about that stuff Joey was talking about. And this is coming from a guy who already said that he watched Billy Graham on one of those crusades and gave his heart to Christ. But there was something about that moment. And I really and truly believe, personally, my grandpa was probably okay. It was probably good to go as far as his soul is concerned, but there's an element of peace that he got to have on this earth that his family got to witness as well, seeing, my gosh, something. He was touched with peace and freedom in a deeper spiritual way, and that is a great memory That's for amazing. my dad and I. You know, yeah. And I don't even know what to do all with all that. I don't, I don't want to put a formula on it. Right. I think I just did, but I don't want to. I want to leave that to... Man, God, what are you up to? Because I seriously can't. I seriously recall not being able to get one thought out of my head, and I felt like God kept saying, mm. "You are going to regret leaving mm -hmm. this hospital room if you don't do what I'm telling mm. you to do right now." And it wasn't even in an angry way; it was just very logical. Okay, I get it. I'm going to leave here and feel miserable and feel like I need to come back tomorrow, so I might as well just do this right now. Yeah, that's. I, Sorry, I'm, I'm talking terrible. I'm the worst old. witnesser ever. I don't talk to anybody. And my, my pastor talks about that, about uh, leading of the you know, Holy Spirit. God, you know, you don't have to go witness to everybody, but right. and there's sometimes there's that draw, and I think those are the times that you should really pay attention. When, yeah. You know, whatever the word is, feel it. Um, yeah. word, the, whatever the descriptor is, it doesn't matter, but it's that God putting that on your heart. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah there's been enough. I know just... So we we all on the same page. We just have a few more minutes, but um, man, there's been enough things like that in my past, like little experiences that are little anchor points. That no matter how far I go, and sometimes feel a little agnostic agnosticy about things, right. um, if I'm honest with myself, that there's enough of those little anchor points that like there's something more going yeah. on that I just can't will never know. So I I need to remain humble and. And uh, be open to to what's going on. That yeah, I don't that's control. a good. Yeah. That's a good point. I think uh, it's like, well, I used to be evangelical, but now I I went to the open-handed, you know, kind of open-minded. Now I know that the evangelicals are absolutely wrong. <laughs> right. Right. I hope I hope you didn't get that from what I said. Well, I know. I just, I'm just glad you recognize that. Oh, thanks, Scott. Somehow yeah. I feel <laughs> condescended to. <laughs> you should. Oh man, you guys. Oh, we don't have time for this, but um, you've been super. <laughs> open with your struggles with depression and mental health uh yeah. how is that going right now you wrote a book about it you want to plug that it, i know it's been out for a little bit but go ahead and yeah yeah it's called fundamentalist uh the mental being highlighted in the middle and yeah it's just basically um basically it's just a narration of my life uh from childhood up until recent day and and just how a uh, combination of ocd um, which, in my opinion, offsets some depression and then they just feed each other. But then add on top of that, the legalism and fundamentalism that I was picking up from uh, the religious circles I was in. And it was just a recipe for an absolute disaster. So I tell, you know, I really, in the middle of writing this book, I seriously remember thinking, do I really want people knowing this whack shit about me? Like this stuff, like horrible, messed up, embarrassing stuff and i just thought you know we only live once and my wife is fine with it i know that when people are open it's helpful to others and so why am i going to keep my you know story hidden uh so yeah wrote about that i'm doing i'm doing really well maybe i can tell y'all more about it another time yeah but uh if i tell y'all some stuff now i haven't told my my own co-host and so that's probably breaking rules a little mm -hmm. bit <laughs> almost got if we had a little more time maybe we could have gotten out of yeah here. so yeah real quick uh, i just want to thank you guys on the bad christian podcast uh was it end of 2015 i think you guys had someone on talking about porn um, and then I, I went to some triple X church. I think it might've been the triple X church. Uh, and I went to a conference, um, while my church had a, had a retreat where we talked about it that summer. And then, you know, I think it was like in the end of, end of 2015, I heard that podcast and that was like the combination of what happened that year. And then that was like the, the last thing. It was like, oh man, okay, no more porn. And then porn free since then um, but it's just that that kind of openness Amen. that uh yeah just it helps it does yeah, it's all shining a light on it yeah yeah, yeah. 
I appreciate you saying that. Yeah. And I, you know, I, I like the fact too, like it, it actually, it's actually very encouraging to know that someone that you, it sounds like you're a little more conservative leaning. Like I really like the fact that uh, bad Christian as a whole, hopefully, and I don't know, you're talking about a way for uh, an episode longer ago, but I love the fact that we don't just have an audience of a bunch of people saying, yeah, hell yeah, those guys are right. Like yeah. I also like that we're at least in a place where people can listen and be like, I like those guys, but nah, oh, yeah. don't well, buy I, that. I stopped, mm. I stopped listening because of the, the, uh, <laughs> the episode where, uh, <laughs> Like the the fans were screaming, "Say Jesus!" at one of their concerts, oh, yeah. <laughs> and then uh, who's? It's not Matt. Who's the other? Toby. Guy? Toby. He he dropped like fifty f bombs, and I was like, what? I was like wait, wait, what, what's going on here? And then I stopped. <laughs> I stopped listening after that. But thanks for the previous thing. There you go. There you go. <laughs> the Holy Spirit led him to listen <laughs> yeah. to the podcast he needed to hear, and then there you go. Just, and that's then all you bounce. need. Yeah, to Heck the curb. Yeah. <laughs> you can bounce out. <laughs> All right, one more. Awesome. Listen again. One more. Uh, so imagine yourself walking into the through the gates of the New Jerusalem, those ever open yeah. gates, and they're playing walk-in music for just you. Yeah. What song is that? And who is like your hype person walking in with you as you enter the gates? Uh, Gangsters Paradise and Coolio's <laughs> with me. Nice, <laughs> nice, perfect. There you go. The right. money and the power. Power and the money. <laughs> All right, guys. Love y'all. Yeah, Gotta bounce. You. All right. Yeah, do thanks it. a lot, man. Thank Appreciate you. It. Talk to you soon. <laughs> Wait, maybe it's, maybe I got that backwards. Maybe it's the power and the money. Money and the power, minute after minute after. Okay, I think I got it backwards. Dude, Sorry about you that. just. I apologize. That's, a, that's, I forgive you. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> You're already forgiven, Scott. Just realize it. I just step need to into realize that. it. Just, just actualize uh, it. You know what, um, man? I really appreciate him. He just you wind him up and he just goes. Yeah, I I thought I was listening uh, to like two two times the speed. Like it was just like there's no pausing. It's just boop boop boop. You can tell he's been podcasting for a while. Yes. Yeah. Also, he was warmed up from his Nephilim conversation. <laughs> yeah, I and felt like we could have just talked about that for. An hour. We probably could have. Also, <laughs> he's he's into. I don't know how many conspiracies he believes, but he likes talking about conspiracy theories, which I appreciate that too. I just I don't like it when there's little conversation or or critical thinking killers like, oh, you're just a conspiracy theorist. Like no yeah. matter what it is, it's like a blanket. Right. Like in in the conversation, close your mind. That matter is settled. It's kind of when I was listening to that Bill Nye and. Um, Oh my gosh, who's the Noah's yeah, Ark? Zach's friend. Ken Ham. Yeah, Ken the Ham. Hamster. When they had their debate, and Bill and I was like, well, then how do you prove that? Like, and it just kept coming down to, how do you prove that? Oh, you just say this, but you can't prove it? And it's, it was like... Now, that probably works more against Ham early on, but if Ham... You could do the same thing to Bill and I, and right. you, you end up at the same ultimate questions. Like, science can answer a lot of questions that... Yep. Religion can't, but it doesn't right. answer a lot of questions that like where did the where did the matter for the Big Bang come from? That is the ultimate one. Plus, like, what does it mean? What's the meaning of life? I think uh, spirituality and some sort of religious framework can handle that more than, or I, it's my opinion, better than science isn't equipped to. It's not testable. So what's great is they're actually they're actually having the conversation, but it but it could just. Hopefully nobody goes into it and says, "Well, can you prove that?" or "Can you prove that?" And it's like, "How about we just throw our ideas out and see if we can kind of come to a conclusion?" And it doesn't have to be an agreement, and it doesn't have to be, "Can you prove it?" You know, yeah. Christianity goes on faith, and yeah. science science goes on 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 things that can be proven yet. If you go back, as you were saying, you go all the way back. There's best case scenario, it's testable and repeatable, and right. then a lot of times, there's a lot of testing and thinking and hypothesizing that's not that's always repeatable. That's but a, a scientific of, method from Zach Crater. Yeah, which uh, is why Christians should not be afraid of science if if it's an actual testable, repeatable thing. Um, because if it's if it's testable and repeatable as truth, then let it be God's truth. And my bunnies are in the backyard. We're above them in the office here in the worldwide uh, Bros Bibles Beer Studios. And they're 
They're humping. coming to you live. Are hum- we live? Wow, they're humping each other. They were. Oh, they were. Huh. <laughs> and uh, I have seen porn recently. Then <laughs> bunny porn. <laughs> Scott, Easter's right, coming. We gotta run. But hey, uh, thank you, Joey. Yeah. Thank you, Bad Christian. And um, obviously, he does Bad Christian podcast. He does what was Pastor with No Answers podcast. Spend what zone. is now the Spin Zone. And as you heard, he wasn't quite sure what he just got finished podcasting about. He doesn't know what show that was, so he's got a lot going on, apparently. Yeah. Yeah, They're an empire. There are no idle hands in Joey's world. All right. Well. All right. Excellent. Until next time, this has been, I bid you, adieu. I bid you, baby. Zach.